This is the Minor Leaguers, another episode, Brett Block, along with the man who all the moms love and already know. It is Jaden Jones. How you doing? Not bad. How are you doing, man? Good. How'd you like that intro? I've been trying to come up with good ones for you. I think the best one is uh, Cool as a Summer's Breeze. It's Jaden Jones. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm working on that. Hey, man, whatever you, whatever you come up with, uh, I'm sure it's great. That, that one was good, though. I, I like that intro. All right. All right. Well, I'm working on it. I, uh, I've got too much free time on my hands, so we'll, we'll see what I'll start to come up with. Uh, busy day for us, uh, since basically it feels like all sports are returning, and a lot of big, big news. Uh, we're going to get to the NBA. Uh, we're going to talk UFC 251, NHL playoffs, they've started, uh, how sports has been on all day, on demand, and how it's been kind of cool. The Canadian Premier League and what they've done with the arena, uh, Major League Soccer returning with fans, uh, the Olympics in UFC, now, this isn't official yet. It's just been catching uh, steam on Reddit, and the conversation has been there for a while. But having transgendered categories for athletes to include transgendered men and females and how that will look, and uh, a little bit more controversial topic, but we'll get to that a little bit later on the episode, as well as video games apparently producing better athletes for the future. Uh, kind of interesting on that one. Uh, we'll get all to that a little bit later on the episode. Uh, but first, I think the biggest news from this week is the fact that it was announced on Monday that some college football conferences will not be whole, uh, having any games this fall, no seasons, uh, but they might be looking towards doing spring seasons. What do you think? I know this is a big deal. I know a lot of our buddies who are uh, like to gamble on sports, they're, they're, they're pretty heartbroken about this. But uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? I'm glad that they made the right decision on this because, as we know, some of the states in the U.S. might not always make the uh, the best informed decision. So states like uh, Florida and, and, and all the southern states, you can you can sometimes uh, find them caught up in some sort of controversy regarding um, a decision regarding bringing sports back as of late. Um, so I'm I'm very happy to hear that there's going to be no college football for right now. I don't think that football is ready to c- come back just because um, of how much contact there is, um, how many people on a team, and uh, and so on and so forth. I know for right now, um, just here in Ontario, that the OCAA, which is the Ontario College Athletic Association, um, they are going to be starting their leagues in January. So um, for for the fall, they're going to be practicing um, while still taking as much precautions as possible uh, to keeping it safe. Um, But yeah, so we won't be starting our our seasons until January, but um, for college football, it's a much bigger thing. It's big in the States. It's arguably one of the biggest um, sports leagues and, um, sports topics there is. So for them to be canceling it, this, this is very, very big, and it's going to cost a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, I know here in Canada, uh, youth sports with their football program, uh, they said, you know, it's canceled. And this was done all the way back in the fall, that, or uh, in the fall, in the spring, they said this fall, we're, just, we're not doing it. We're not sure what it's going to look like. We're not even sure if school's going to be there. Um, and the fact that it doesn't make sense that 
a lot of classes and programs, depending on where you're at, are doing everything from home. Um, they just said, like, you know, there's no point in bringing student athletes, especially when you're in a big city like Toronto or Ottawa, where it's over a million people. Um, it's just not safe, and you just don't know what could happen. And I think uh, the one thing I've seen when I've been kind of looking into everything is that a lot of people kind of forget that these are student athletes and that they're not professional athletes. Uh, the big argument being that, you know, the National Football League and the Canadian Football League are both looking to return. But you got to remember, these kids, they're there for school. They're not there to play sports, although, uh, you know, some of them might be getting drafted this year or their goal is that they're on their way to the NFL. And because of the age that you need to be able to enter, they need to go to school. But first things first, these guys are students. And I think it's a, it's a bad argument to be like, well, look at all these professional leagues. Like, these guys aren't getting paid. Yeah, their tuition might be paid for or it's completely covered. But they're still students. They still have that work. It's, it's a little bit different in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. And, and just to reiterate what you said, student athletes. The, the student comes before the athlete. So if they don't, if they're not having in-class sessions, then there definitely shouldn't be any sports being played. Like if these guys can't get an education with a teacher right in front of them, talking person, like um, talking face to face, then they're, they're, they're sh- the QB shouldn't be taking any snaps. It's as easy as that. If they're not in school, they should not be on the field. Plain and simple. Uh, I think one of the tougher questions, and I'll, I'll be honest, I really don't have a, an answer for this. Um, how does this affect players where this or 2021 was going to be their draft year? Does this hurt them? Does this make maybe scouts take a second look at them? Um, I, I think personally, given the situation, uh, if you're projected to go in the first round, you're probably going to go in the first round. Um, in terms of those that are being dropped into the NFL, their main thing is looking at uh, NCAA football. That, that really is the biggest feeder system for the NFL draft. Do you think that if players decide, like, if they're not able to play, because some conferences, from the sounds of it, they want to move forward. But do you think this affects the players that aren't eligible to play this year because their conference has said, listen, we're not doing football this year? Uh, yes and no. Um, first of all, let's go back to what you said before. Will this affect the people that are uh, eligible this year? Yes, because right now, there's no. if there's going to be no football being played, then the scouts won't have anything to watch. So n- right now is the time where the the scouts are going to be earning their money. They they've got to see from either old film, um, the the word of coaches and and peers close to that individual player, how this player interacts, what they're like in the locker room, all these sorts of things. They have to know this without being able to go and see, watch, and even talk to the player. Everything's going to be done online. So any if they want to interview, if they want to talk to the player, they can't do it. it has to be done online, and that can be extremely hard for. Um, for recruiters because it's a very different vibe if you're talking through a computer than if you're talking face-to-face. When you're talking face-to-face, you can see someone's body language. You can see, um, are they nervous? Are they sweating? Where are their eyes looking? Doing it virtually, it's very hard to do that. And um, being able to to recruit and um, 
even even playing foot for and just going back to to the student athlete right now, it's it's hard for them because all they've known is is playing football in the fall, and mm-hmm. now that's now that they can't do that, there's not really a blueprint for for what they can do if their if their season gets canceled. Like, do they just keep working out? Um, do they study hours and hours of film? Like, they kind of have to like make it up on the go and, and figure out what's the best route for them to take to make sure that they're staying in shape. They're, um, they're still learning new, new things about the game every day. Um, they're, they're learning their position better. They're talking to former alumni of the school. How are they getting better each and every day to make sure that their draft stock doesn't fall? And I think uh, it's interesting because I think, too, when you talk about scouting, um, if they can't see you play, they might go, listen, this guy, he hasn't competed in a year. He's decided not to play in, in the spring league if there is one. Um, so we don't really know, like, where his skills are at, how long it might take for him to regroup and kind of get back and everything. Um, I think you can pretty, for the most part, when it's a third or fourth year guy, you kind of know his personality. The coaches know who he is. But I think there's a little bit more of a bigger question, too, with with some of the schools that aren't going to be competing this year. Do they pull the scholarships from the players? And this is a huge concern for some of the first and second year players who uh, they're not yet eligible for the NFL draft. And, you know, it puts them in an awkward position because they're like, you know, I wasn't going to be a starter anyway. I'm not second string. Um, I was really just on the practice squad. So does that mean to save the school money this fall? Am I losing? Am I losing my scholarship? Which could be huge depending on the player and where they're coming from. And and this maybe only being their way out. Right. And we, we could also think about it from this standpoint. Is that um, let's let's kind of compare it to basketball in March Madness. In in March Madness, there's always that underdog that comes out and, and absolutely kills it in the tournament. Well, the same thing with college football. There's always that uh, those couple players that were not on anyone's radar that maybe the, the starting uh, running back went down and they had to bring in the backup and, and now he's rushing for, for over 150 yards a game, right? Like there, there's always these underdogs that, that kind of show up when, when the spotlight is on them the most. And now a lot of these student athletes won't be able to uh, get the chance to do that. Uh, it's, it's really is, I don't want to say a murky situation because right now there is a plan there to be a season next spring but until really there there is a confirmed season they have the schedule set and players are on the field uh, a lot of things are up in the air right now um as of right now i think four out of the 12 conferences of division one ncaa football uh have pulled their seasons there's still a few that are up in the air where they're not sure if they'll do it with or without them how that will look uh even keeping players in a bubble or for the fall anyway for the fall semester a lot of questions, but uh, until, you know, really we get into September uh, and even late August, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we're going to move on now from a league that, uh, well, I, I guess I can't call it a league, but into uh, sports that are actually back and going into the playoffs. It's actually the NBA restart. Um, pretty much over now, the, the, the end of the regular season, if you want to call it that. Um, I think the biggest surprise, and one thing we didn't talk about last episode when we're talking about biggest surprises uh, with the NBA restart was the Phoenix Suns and how they won 8-0, but they're still eliminated from the bubble. 
Yeah, I uh, I really don't like that. That that kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth when I saw that, and and I I just honestly couldn't believe it. Um, for a team to go eight and zero, like they they literally did everything in their power to make sure that they uh, got the chance to play in the playoffs, and I mean they they just couldn't do it. And it's not that they couldn't do it; it was just that the the way the the playoffs were were done and the, and the seating and everything they they just couldn't win themselves in which is just it's it's crazy for me uh i think my favorite thing is the meme that i posted on my instagram at the Brett black where it was literally this thing from spongebob where it's like hey i made it in what, uh, well what do i win nothing you gotta leave and then uh, just i feel like that's the exact reaction the phoenix suns got um my favorite moment i think from all this is that uh, they had Draymond Green that was part of the TNT broadcast for one of the games. And uh, I think he got fined for tampering for this. But he's like, you know, Devin Booker, he's got to get out of there. He's got to come play for, like, the Golden State Warriors or something. Um, I don't, I, now, I don't know if he said, like, come play for the Golden State Warriors, but he just said, oh, you got to get my man D-Book out, up out of Phoenix. Like, basically, he's too good for that city, which is true. Like, literally everybody says that. It's it's just a known fact that Phoenix is not a good team, and that they have a, a, a superstar talent in their city, and, and they can't do anything with them. I think the only thing with uh, Devin Booker that is like his saving grace. And by the way, you are right. I shouldn't have said uh, quote that wasn't the quote he said. Um, I was kind of paraphrasing a little bit because I know I know the league hit him, and I know it's kind of weird because he's a broadcaster, but he's still a player, so there is. I got into that weird gray area. Um, but the, the, the thing with Devin Booker is that he's still young and you know that the Phoenix Suns, they're, they're rebuilding the franchise. And I would say they're still two years away, maybe from being a real contender. Um, I like, you know, obviously when you look at a, another team that's kind of in a, in a close slot with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they're a lot further ahead. I think they drafted players and they have talent that is just that much more further ahead. I think Phoenix is still trying to figure it out, trying to figure out their game. They're like, okay, we have this guy, but now how do we rebuild around him? Who does he need? Do we need veterans? Do we need shooters? Like, what do we need for this guy to succeed and for this team and city to succeed? Yeah, and, and what I personally, my, my opinion, I think is what, what they need is um, maybe a, a veteran and, and obviously another superstar because – Right now, it's it's him and Kelly Oubre doing all the scoring for them, mm-hmm. and and even maybe tossing DeAndre Ayton, but he did have that long suspension this season, so they need um, a veteran presence in that room to show the young guys how it's done, how to be a professional, how to win in this league. Ricky Rubio, he hasn't really won in this league. He is a very solid veteran in the NBA, um, one of the greatest passers of all time. But they they need a winner. They need to bring that fire into Phoenix. They they need to they need to bring that excitement and, and entertainment factor back into Phoenix. And I, I just don't think that they can get it done with this squad. Even though they did go eight zero in the in the bubble, which shocked me. Uh, overall, to be honest, I feel bad for the city of Phoenix. Um, I would say they're probably like one of the least best known sports cities, having like pretty much every major sport there. But it's just like the team – actually, well, the, I know the Arizona Coyotes, they did a little bit better in the NHL this year. But, uh, you know, hopefully something goes right for the city because 
Uh, it's been a long time for them since they've had a champion. Um, we're going to move in now to the West matchups for the NBA. Uh, so right now we have uh, Thunder versus Rockets. We have the Denver Nuggets versus Utah Jazz. The LA Clippers taking on the Mavericks. And we have the LA Lakers who will be taking on rather the Grizzlies or the Trailblazers, uh, who's doing, I, I guess I want to say a tiebreaker uh, Saturday and Sunday to see who will take that eighth spot. Uh, who do you think is going to take it? For me, I part, personally, I think with the way James played during the restart, except for that one game, uh, he's looked on fire, and I think he really wants this. Yeah, I, I honestly don't see any way that Memphis can win this game. Damian Lillard has been on fire. C.J. McCollum has stepped up in the big moments when needed. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, they, they just have all the pieces there. Yusef Nurkic is back playing well. They, they're playing like a team right now, and Damian Lillard is a man on a mission. He is a straight-up killer. You haven't seen a mentality like this since probably Kobe. I mean, that, that's, that's the last thing um, – that's, that's the last person I can really remember that, that really locked in this much made it known in the media that he was on a mission to kill and gone out and done it for three or four straight games. Like what? He had 61 to one game. I think he had 54 and then he had like 42 or 41. I mean, that's, that's incredible to me. And um, I'm, I'm a big Portland fan. I think that um, them versus LA Lakers is going to be a great matchup, a, a must watch series. Um, and I don't think Memphis stands any chance of winning this uh, play-in game tomorrow. So with, uh, with that being said, is there any matchups from the West for uh, the start of the playoffs that you'll be watching or a series that really intrigues you? Yeah, so I think the Clippers versus Dallas will, will be a very interesting matchup. Um, now, as we know, some of these seedings um, are, are, are kind of flawed, in, in my personal opinion. Like some – some of the lower seeded teams played better than than the number uh, that's attached to them. So I think Dallas is one of those teams. They have Doncic, they have Porzingis, both playing incredible basketball. And Dallas is a very great defensive team and can get hot in a moment's notice. They aren't as exciting to watch as in as a late uh, like compared to a Lakers team or or a Denver team. But I think that they have the pieces there that they could take down a Clippers team. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that they will, but I'm just saying that, that they have the pieces. They have Doncic. They have Porzingis. They have uh, not Dennis Smith Jr. Who's a – oh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, a, a, an incredible guard playing for Dallas and, and has really stepped up this season. So I think that's one matchup that I'll be watching, and um, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in to uh, Portland and L.A. And um, unfortunately – uh, Houston will be be without Russell Westbrook for the start of the playoffs, so I probably won't tune into that series very much. But when he comes back, I mean, that that can turn the whole team's uh, um, attitude around and uh, and really bring some fire back to that squad. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to the West, I'm completely with you. Especially, you know, I, I I'll give the the Grizzlies credit; they look like a good team. They're just not there yet. So if we get the Lakers and Trailblazers and the Clippers and Mavericks, uh, I think you have. Four teams, uh, obviously the Lakers and Clippers, they're, they're considered the Giants. They're, one of them is expected to go to the final and win it. But I, I feel like the Trailblazers and the Mavericks, they have that attitude. Both teams where it's like, listen, 
we're here to compete. We're here to win. And the entire time when I when I watched Luca and when I watched Dame, both of them are like, listen, this is my team. I'm putting them on my back and we're going. And I think that could be extremely dangerous, especially when the Lakers, um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Clippers too much during the, uh, the restart, but the Lakers looked a little shaky. And I know there were some questions about their health and, you know, how the team was. Are they going to be ready for when the playoffs start? Uh, obviously, it looked like they got better as time went on, but they still look shaky for some of the restarts. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that would work out between them and, and the Trailblazers with the attitude of, like, hey, we're this is going to sound like a bad pun, but we're blazing our own trail here. Like, we want to go and we want to be those guys. Uh, we'll move on now to the East. Um, Hold up. One second, one second. Before um, we, we get off the West here, um, I I just uh, I just looked up quickly, and I guess um, Rajon Rondo has uh, re-entered the bubble um, after okay. injuring his thumb back in mid, mid-July. So within uh, the next week or two, you could see him back in, in the Lakers uniform and back running the running the floor for L.A. So that, that'll be something interesting. He's one of my favorite point guards of all time. Um, some, some of the sickest passes that you'll, that you'll ever see. And um, I love watching him play. So I'm, I'm excited. I, ho- I hope that he can come, uh, come back and try and lead this Lakers squad to a championship. Uh, I would say on the Lakers, with all, some of the, the power they have, he is a very underrated player. Um, he's a veteran. He's got great experience. And I think that, you know, he, I, I don't know if he would be a, a complete game breaker or a series breaker where he can take over the series, but definitely something or definitely someone that can add depth to the Lakers squad. Um, for the East, I feel like it's more predictable in what we're going to see uh, for the most part. So we have uh, the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Magic. Uh, big note there is Mobama has barely uh, left the bubble because he has to get studies done on himself to see the long-term effects of COVID. Apparently he's had some issues. Uh, we have the Toronto Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the Boston Celtics versus the Philadelphia 76ers, which I think could be very interesting. And then we have the Indiana Pacers versus heat. And I feel like that is going to be a very competitive series. Um, I still feel like though, it's going to be a little bit predictable because we have the Bucks. And the Raptors moving on for sure. I feel like the 76ers are there. I feel like the Celtics have had some issues. Um, so I, I see Philly moving on. Although, oh. actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because no. uh, a couple of days ago, um, who was it? Oh my God. Ben Simmons? Yes, thank you. He actually, he's done for the season. So I, I gotta be careful about that one because I completely forgot. I was thinking of him in my head and I was like, no, he's gone now. That could be kind of interesting to see that series and to see how things work out. But I think the most competitive out of uh, the four is going to be the Pacers and the Heat. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Milwaukee's going to be walking over Orlando, especially with Mobama out of the, the lineup. I, I don't see Orlando taking any games in that series. I think it's going to be a straight sweep. Um, Miami Pacers, that's going to be a very great series defensively. Two teams that have that have the length that can protect the paint, but also have some very good young players to put the ball in the basket. I think Miami's going to take that series, but I do hope that the Pacers um, prove me wrong and can really make this a, an interesting series. Now, moving on to Boston in the 76ers, I have the, I have, I have the Celtics in that series, just the way that they played against Toronto. 
Um, Kem- Kemba Walker, unbelievable guard. Marcus Smart. They have a bunch of dogs on that team. And the 76ers just haven't looked great. I mean, especially without Ben Simmons. I, I know it's weird um, losing your all-star point guard um, to injury and, and out for the rest of the season. But um, I just don't think that they can that they'll be able to get it done against a, a very healthy Boston squad. Um, but t- tonight they actually uh, blew out the Houston Rockets, uh, one thirty four uh, to ninety six. That's what the seventy sixers did. So I think it was more of a more of a G League game, more of a a, a bench versus bench kind of game. But uh, still, I to me it's going to be uh, Boston over Philly. And Boston will be playing Toronto in the next round after Toronto beats Brooklyn. Now I'm kind of worried about Brooklyn. Honestly, they they were they'd probably be like my number one or number two team that I would not want to face in the first round. They've been playing so well. Um, Karis LeVert has been going off. They've just had so much chemistry. Joe Harris, e- even though they are missing like their top four or five guys, I mean they're still a very dangerous squad and. Um, Toronto has faced them a lot in the playoffs these past couple of years, and they've always given us trouble. So it's going to be a very entertaining series, but Toronto really has to come to play. They have to play to their to the best of their abilities, and, and they really have to put the hammer down and, and try to get that series done and over with quickly so um, they can wait for, for Boston and, and Philly series to finish up, and hopefully they'll be beating each other up during that one. Yeah, um, I feel like the Nets could be a little bit of a trap game, but just seeing what the Raptors have done, uh, especially during the restart, I there was some spots where you're like, okay, it could be just from taking too much time off. But the Raptors look good, and I like their depth. And for me, that's why like they are a dangerous team. Um, I always see on Twitter people like, oh, the Raptors like they're they're very forgettable. But I'm like, you know, we don't have a big name in terms of being that all star or that next level. But for the amount of guys that are on the Toronto Raptors that can step up. Uh, you know, that mentality of best up, next up, uh, or next up, best up, whatever you want to call it, or whatever mentality they're going with, uh, has really worked for them. And <laughs> that they're they're going to be set for another championship run this year. Man, okay. So so adding to that point, did were you able to watch the game today or no? No, um, I was actually at work. So I, did, actually, I haven't had a chance to watch the highlights yet. So I'm just going to give you a little, little sneak peek here. So they ended up beating the Nuggets 117 to 109 with, again, your, your starters not playing. Um, but, but check this out. Stanley Johnson, um, coming in hot, had 23 points, leading all scorers, had a game high. Stanley Johnson with 23, four rebounds. Then next up, you had Paul Watson Jr. with 22 points, six rebounds. I mean, this Raptor squad is just so deep. And then um, adding also Dewan Hernandez, who just came back from injury. I mean, he, he chipped in with four points and seven rebounds today, a, a big center that can step out and shoot the three. So, I mean, they've got a really deep squad. And especially with these past two or three games, getting these young guys in, getting them some confidence. So in case that moment does come in the playoffs when they're facing a Brooklyn or they're facing a Boston. These young guys can come in, give the vets a little break, give, give the starting vets a little breather, come in, hit the big shots, play some really solid defense, and really get their confidence up saying, hey, I can play at this level. I can contribute to this team, and I belong here. 
out of curiosity, because I know with the NBA, it's a little bit different discussion in terms of sports, but there's always been kind of the conversation about would you rather have that one big name all-star that can lead a team and get you to that next level? Like last year with the Raptors, they had Kawhi Leonard. This year they don't, but they have the depth. So what do you think is more important, having that one player that can, can be that next level guy or having the depth so that anybody could really step up when you need them to? I mean, personally, it's about having the, the depth, in, in my personal opinion, but um, that's just because looking at the Raptors this year, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about championship teams. Everybody has to know their role. They have to know their role, and they have to perform their role at an exceptionally high level. So Toronto this year, you have Lowry, Siakam, your, your two main scorers, and you have uh, Ibaka too, but he's kind of your third option. You have a young guy in Matt Thomas coming off the bench. You already know what he's going to do. He's going to be looking to hit the three. He has a very quick release. He has a Clay Thompson-like game, um, can, can pull up off the dribble, but really a, a catch-and-shoot guy. You have Chris Boucher coming off the bench. Um, you're looking for – he's looking for those, like, those exciting plays, those big blocks, um, using his length to disrupt the three-point shot um, and, and really being that, that rock on, on the defensive end and, and really solidifying where everyone is um, on the defensive end of the floor. So you have all these guys that are performing at a very high level while also scoring the ball, and they're winning too. So, yeah, it was great to have Kawhi, and, and I'm so happy he brought us that championship because we needed it. Yeah. But to me, in the NBA, it's all about how many guys can perform their role at a high level, and Toronto runs the, their whole squad deep. Like, I mean – Every, every guy has a role, and you know what that role is. As a fan, you know what they can do good, and you know what they can't do good. Do they sometimes cross that line and, and do something uh, stupid and, and make, his, make a mistake? Yeah, of course, they're human. But the, the point is that they all have a role. They all play a st- certain style of basketball. And when they're clicking and they're making that, that chemistry work, they're the best team in the league. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah, I for sure. I, I just the Toronto Raptors. I know I'm a fan, so it sounds biased, but um, the Raptors to me could easily be one of the best teams in the NBA. Sure, no all star power and not the next level. And to me, because um, I know like growing up, I played hockey a lot and soccer, and it was always about the more depth you had, the better your team was for success. But I know in basketball it's a little bit different where it's usually that one guy that can take over a game. But I think the Raptors, with the depth they have and some players they have, they're going to go deep. And it just sucks because if they do and when they – I know what? No. When they win the chip this year, there probably <laughs> will be no parade to celebrate, which sucks. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to move on now to uh, USC 252, which is a huge fight. Um, there's a – one of the biggest cards, mainly the main event. Um, some of the bigger names on the card is uh, Junior Santos, Charmelli versus Merlon Vera is your co-main event. And then, of course, the main event is uh, Stipe Mirotic versus DC, Derek Cormier. 
uh, and what Dana White has said could decide who is the best MMA fighter ever. Uh, that's a heavy wipeout. Um, any fights or any uh, any fighters that you're watching? Well, I, I, I just got to say this. I, I'm excited for Sugar Sean O'Malley uh, to fight. Love his energy, and, and he's probably the, the best fighter to watch from a, from a fun and entertaining standpoint. Oh, easily. He's like the young, he's like a young version of Conor McGregor. Uh, the last fight I saw him in, I, I can't even remember the other guy's name, but he literally, he dropped the guy and he walked away before the guy was even slept. Like, I don't know. He's fun. He's charismatic um, and just a great fighter. If you want to watch that, it's one at 10. Well, uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, but my only say that I'm going to talk about is that I, Derek Cormier, I feel like he's got it. Sean O'Malley. I just want. I honestly, I just want to watch because of him. He's he's so fun to watch and so energetic. Um, so touch base on that a little bit. We're gonna move on now to the NHL playoffs. Uh, and what a lot of people have said has probably been the best sport in terms of the bubble with like virtually zero cases of COVID reported. I don't think any team that was entering the bubble from first place all the way down to 24th I reported like zero cases I don't know if they hit a case or something but uh it's been pretty interesting but before we get into anything I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets and that game one five overtimes before finally so the Lightning scored Braden Point to uh to win game one what the hell? <laughs> Five overtime is like unheard of, especially in modern. No, it, it was so crazy because I remember I was coming home from uh, from golf, and um, I'm looking on my Twitter timeline, I'm looking on Facebook, Instagram, going through all the socials, and I see oh five overtimes, like five OT for Columbus and Tampa, and I kind of like oh okay whatever. It's kind of tired at that point. Didn't really like fully comprehend what what it said. I see another one. Oh, what a crazy five overtime game! I'm like, hold up, what five overtimes? Like that is insane. So obviously, I had to dig deeper. I see that Seth Jones out here playing an hour's worth <laughs> in one game, and then I also see that who was it? Corpusalo, I believe. Yeah. Made a had what was it eighty five saves or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, he he legit broke a history. The NHL has been around for a hundred years, and he broke a, a record for the NHL with most saves made. That like, just ridiculous. I think almost Columbus nearly broke another record with uh, with how many blocks they had. I think they said they had fifty nine block shots for the entire team, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's. That's ridiculous, and they said it was like the fourth longest game in in NHL history. Which, I mean, I'm not sure what what the longest is, but I mean, when you start a game at three o'clock and you end at nine o'clock, uh, that's definitely got to be up there. <laughs> um, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think the longest game was something from the 1950s, and it went all the way between Montreal and Toronto, and it went like. Seven overtime periods, eight overtime periods. Oh my goodness! Which, in all honesty, um, because it was the the Blue Jackets and Lightning, I was kind of watching it throughout the day, uh, and then finally when I hit OT, the third OT, I was like, okay, I gotta watch this game because obviously, like, what the hell is going on? Um, 
Oh, man, I couldn't imagine watching hockey for that long. Because uh, there was literally fans where they were saying, like, like that was, like, their job. Like, they go to work for six hours, and all of a sudden they get home at 3 o'clock, think they're going to watch a game that's going to be done probably around 5.30. And then it's 9 o'clock, it's past their bedtime because they got to be up at 4 in the morning. So watching the Columbus and Tampa game, like... Man, uh, shout out to those who were able to watch the entire game and they watched every single moment. Because that, don't get me wrong, I grew up watching hockey and praising hockey, but like watching the same game for like six hours. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I will also say too that uh, it was competitive all the way to the very end. Um, from what I saw kind of watching and tuning in throughout the day to, like, the final, like, three overtime periods. Like, shout out to both teams being extremely competitive. Uh, I've seen games before where they're like that, where by the mid-first overtime period, guys are already done. Um, but it was, it was really fun to watch. Uh, another thing to me that I've really enjoyed watching as well is uh, Kachuk, who is on the Calgary Flames, and just being himself and kind of bringing back that old-school mentality with, uh, with just, you know, not hatred, but like that rivalry where he's like, hey, I'm the best player on the ice and you have a lot of the other guys stepping up. To me, it's fun because I feel like the last couple of years that you've, if you've tuned in to watch a hockey game, a lot of guys are friendly now. They don't have that competitiveness. They don't care really who's who's the best or have that rivalry or that heatedness. So to me, it takes away from the game a bit, but but uh, we talked a little bit off air where you're like, you, you were a fan of uh, Kachuk especially when he brought back the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I, I, I like that he brought it back. Now, in the fashion that he did in, in the dirty hits on Cassian, I didn't, uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like that. But, I mean, yeah, his, his aggressive style of play and, and how he sometimes crosses the line, but he, he manages to, to just walk the fine line. I mean, I love, like I said, I love his style of play. He's a great player, an aggressive goal sc- scorer and someone that you want on your team and, and not be playing against. Absolutely. And it's just – it's it's fun to have a, a player like that in the league again. Um, I know we have Brad Marchand licking people, and that, I to me, that I'm like, that's not even – that's funny, but it's like it's not it's not hockey, you know? Um, yeah. Well, the one thing yeah. I think you have to say about the playoffs and the start of the series is that every – I, I'm so glad they did one through eight seeding, um, mainly because it drives me nuts the divisional playoffs they have. But there's every series I'm watching is exciting. Uh, even today, we're talking about uh, the Montreal Canadiens taking on the Philadelphia Flyers, and the fact that it was like uh, Montreal won five nothing, and we're like Philly should be like dominating in this game, but it, it's competitive, and it's just I don't know. Every series I've tuned in to watch, uh, I have nothing bad to say about the games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been some great hockey, and um, I, I've been watching a lot of it. Even even when um, I'm at work, and I'll just throw the throw a random game on, and it's always exciting. And um, it's it's good hockey right now. Lot lots more fights, lots more physicality, um, some great goals being scored. And even though my Leafs are out, um, I, I'm a Canucks fan now, baby. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you're just, you're watching Vancouver for uh, for the rest of the playoffs or as long as you're in. Yeah, Vancouver and Chicago, my two teams right now. 
I gotta be honest, uh, the one series I, I've been kind of keeping up to date with that I wasn't expecting but I've really enjoyed was uh, Calgary and Dallas. Um, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to them, but I, I've kind of tuned in the last couple of games and I'm like, it's competitive, it's close, and to me, it's just fun to watch because I just I don't know how the games are going to go. And I think it's just because they're, they're a lot more even than what I expected. And I just, I don't know, I've just enjoyed the series so far. Um, however, one thing that has uh, a few sports fans, um, the hardcore fans, they love it. The casual fans are a little bit tired of it. But it's the fact that you turn on, uh, you can have a game at 12 all the way until 1 a.m. now. Um, sports streaming all day, yay or nay, and, and what do you think of it? Oh, yeah, I love it. We were out, we were without sports for like three to four months. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you, you have some breakfast, you do what you got to do, and by, by 11, 30, 12 o'clock, you have something to watch, whether you're, you're at home or at work. It's nonstop sports every day, and I, I'm living for it. Do you think that when, uh, for the NBA and the NHL, when things go back to being normal, do you think we'll still continue to have those games spread out throughout the day? Like, this will become something the fans expect, or do you think we go back to just doing the – Seven o'clock and ten o'clock game starts. I mean, it just depends on where the world is because right now we're still in the middle of a pandemic. There's still a lot of precautions we have to take, and um, I don't think that we'll be back to normal for for a couple of years, uh, from what the experts are saying. So, I mean, I'm I'm honestly not sure. The leagues are going to have to take a look at um, at what they think will be uh, sustainable for each league and. Um, and, and honestly, uh, what, what brings them the most money and, and whether that's having sports on all day or, or going back to normal and, um, and just having uh, games spread out more. Um, I mean, e- either way, I'm just happy to have sports back in our lives. Yeah. And, uh, I'll be honest, just personally, from my standpoint, I've actually really enjoyed the fact that there's been, uh, some games have started at 11 AM and 8 PM. For whatever reason, I just really like those start times, so I thought I'd just throw those out there. Um, just because when you wake up in the morning, you have a game on at 11, it's, like, perfect. Like, you just have something to wake up to. It's done usually by one, one thirty, so you can get on with your afternoon. And then 8 p.m., usually because I'm at work until about, like, 5 or 6, it gives me time to get home, unwind, get something to eat, and then I can watch the game where I feel like 7 is rushed. I know we're on the Eastern time zone, so it's a little bit different for those maybe out – uh, on the West Coast, but uh, I just wanted to say I love those start times, so if we can keep those, perfect. Um, we're going to move on now to a little bit of soccer. Uh, first off, we'll start with the CPL and what they've done with the arena. Now, the CPL is a very unique situation where it's a brand-new startup league. They're in their second season. A lot of people were unsure about, uh, at least in Canada, the Canadian Elite Basketball League and the Canadian Premier League. If they'll have a season, how that will work out. But the CPL, to me, has done a fantastic job with how they've handled things. And it's got me excited for the future of where this league can go. And uh, I know you're not big of a soccer guy, but I sent you highlights of the game last night and what they've done with the arena. And it looks fabulous. Like It looks amazing for, for the league and how new it is and, like, just everything they've done with it. Yeah, yeah, we were talking um, a little bit off air um, before we started recording and I was saying like, I, I love the look of it. Um, I love the, the boxy feel and, and how 
um, how small and in the view of uh, the view of it and all. Sorry, um, I, I really like it. I would someday. I'd love to go to go visit it. I think soccer fields are some of the most um, gorgeous landscapes in in all the sports. I mean, they have just the best stadiums, um, some of the craziest fans, and uh, I, I think they did a great job with the CPL stadiums. Uh, it's kind of funny, and I, I'm just going to do this other. So, from when we're watching it online or wherever, however you're watching the game, uh, it looks great. But apparently, with the uh, when you're actually there in person and with the stadium, uh, they said it kind of it's kind of weird because it's just blue tarps everywhere. So, they say, from what you see in person to what you see online uh, or online when you're watching the game, completely different. Um, if you are planning to watch uh, the Canadian Premier League in Canada and you're curious about it. Uh, FC and Calgary FC opened up last night. Uh, one of the big games we're watching this weekend, uh, if you're interested, is York 9 versus Athletic of Ottawa. Uh, and that's 1 o'clock on CBC. And um, should be should be an interesting game. Uh, Ottawa's brand new franchise, their first year in the league, York 9, just because it's close to where I'm at. Uh, that's kind of why I'm paying attention to it. Um, and it's also on CBC because I know they stream. They have a weird streaming service, which doesn't make sense to me. But, uh, yeah, tune into it. I'm just rambling now. I'm going to move on now to uh, our <laughs> podcast a little bit from last week. But we talked about the MLS returning or Major League Soccer returning and between FC Dallas versus Nashville SC. And they had about, I think it was uh, 5,000 fans attended the game. We did a poll on our Twitter at underscore minor leaguers. Um, majority of people said no. There should be no fans at games. Um, what do you think of it? Uh, how do you think they did it by only doing season ticket holders? And for the next couple of years to, to have fans in stadiums, do you think maybe this is the way we go? Um, I think that, yes, I think that is the way that they should go in a year or so. Like right now, I still think that there should not be fans in the stadium. I think that they they messed up big time um, when they did it. Like, we're still – I keep saying this over and over. It's like I'm beating a dead horse. We're still <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Like, like fans in sports stadiums is not something that we should be focusing on right now. I get it. They want their money. They When fans attend games, the the executives, the, the league, the team gets more money. But – you got to think of the safety of the fans first. And that's what's very heartbreaking about when, I, when I'm seeing teams think about doing this is that you're like, if there's a COVID outbreak happen, that is going to, that's going to look so bad on you and the team. That's, that's going to look greedy on your part. And you're, you don't have the fans best interests at heart. Um, now something else, sorry, sorry. Now something else that I wanted to mention quickly was that I believe in that game, while the national anthems were being played, the both teams took a knee, and the fans were booing them for taking a knee. Yeah, that is uh, that did happen. Which is that's that's so hard to see, and I I think that I mean, like as the fans, like like come on, are are you th- those kind of fans that? just don't understand why they're taking a knee or are you just that much of racist and against the, the black lives matter movement to, 
to care. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it was very tough to see, very tough to watch. I feel so bad for the players. They're, they're playing their hearts out. They're trying to make, they're not trying to make a political statement. All they're trying to say is that we understand what's going on and we sympathize and we want to make change in our community and in the world. Uh, yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. From from watching all the sports return, um, I did see the story break, but we just seen the NBA, the MLB, MLS when they first came back, like at the very beginning of the MLS is back tournament. Uh, NHL, they have majority, not so much the NHL. I know it's been a little bit of a different sport. Um, a lot of the, the teams get a knee at the beginning for the national anthems. And it's to raise awareness about Black Lives Matter and to kind of raise awareness of some police brutality and have an open conversation. I, I personally, I know they're in Dallas, Texas, and I know they're they're really big about like, listen, it's okay if you want to protest, but you got to stand for the flag. I think I think some of them they they might have missed the point. I know. I don't know. Uh, they're idiots. That's yeah. all I got to say. They're idiots. Yeah. All I can say is they're protesting. They're they're allowed to take a knee, and if you don't like it, and you're missing the point, or you're not doing the research behind why they're doing it, that's all. Um, yeah, you, you gotta be more educated. You gotta look more into it. Um, yeah. That's all. Anyways, I- man, let, let, let's 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 move on, man. Let's move on. <laughs> too, too heated, too heated. Um, yeah, don't even, don't even want to get into it, man. It's late. It's I, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> It's actually, yeah, it's midnight when we're recording this, uh, which is probably the next category, uh, which is another touchy subject. Um, but I think the one thing that we're really good at here at the minor leaguers is we're very open-minded. Uh, we want to do a lot of open discussions. I feel like this one that we're about to get into is going to be, it's going to be iffy depending on how you want to take it. But the uh, on Reddit the other day, uh, I saw this article and I was catching a lot of about how a lot of transgendered athletes, both male and female, have been missing out on opportunities to go and make money as an athlete because of the fact that they had a sex change. Um, So one thing that was brought up is uh, things like the Olympics and things perhaps like the UFC, including divisions that would be transgendered male and transgendered female. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth about how people have felt about it, saying that, oh, well, this would make it even playing field for everybody, uh, especially if you look at something like mixed martial arts, and not technically just UFC, but Bellator and some of the other organizations that put on MMA fights, where it would go, you would still have like the featherweight, the strawweight divisions, but instead of it just being male, female, you'd have male, female, transgender, male, transgender, female. Um, Personally, for me, I just want to see the best athletes compete. So I don't really care who's competing. I just want to see the best. I kind of understand, I guess, a little bit when they explained about the, the science behind the facts, uh, both with the Olympics and the UFC. Um, kind of makes sense. But I also know, too, that when we looked at the CWHL, uh, they're very inclusive for transgendered females, and they had no issues. Um so, I mean, I'm kind of torn because he said also, too, if you have those categories in there, uh, this could create more, uh, not tension, but more separation about what we're trying to do here with within the LGQ. I just screwed up the name. What is it? LGBT yep. community and, and what they've been pushing for for so many years. 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I I would I want to see the best fighters. I I don't care about their their gender, whether they uh, were female or, or were male. As long if they can fight, then they can fight. I mean, it boils down to that. It it boils down to equality and uh, inclusivity. So, I mean, I think that obviously sports has a long way to go, but it would be nice to see. Um, different transgender um, transgender fighters competing at the highest level um, of their sports. Yeah, and I, I think it just breaks down to, I just honestly, when I tune in uh, to anything, I know like more with the UFC, I could see this being a lot quicker. Uh, I think they said too, like we're about 15 years out from this actually being a thing, mainly because it comes with the competitiveness and uh, the fact that there's still some places that, you know, they're not exactly open to the idea of it. And, but slowly the world is changing more. Uh, cause right now, I think this is more North American and European countries that are a lot more accepting of this than, you know, some other places. But uh, it's changing. It is for sure is changing. So we are maybe 15 years to get the competition right and to make sure there is enough competition if you wanted to have those different divisions. I personally, when it comes to it, and I know I'm like shit on for this one, but to me, if you did separate divisions for for male, female, transgender, male, transgender, female, I don't think it's a bad idea. I kind of understand the science behind it when you break it down to, uh, you know, you might need to have, uh, if you did both male, transgender, male together, you'd have to have the transgender males taking testosterone more or steroids to. To, to even out the fight a little bit. I, I don't know. I know there's more science to it. I'm not the guy to explain it. So I understand like kind of the reasoning behind it. Um, but honestly, I think when it breaks down, if that is the UFC that does it first or, or any MMA promotion, I just want to see the best fighters. I want to see personalities that make me want to tune in and enjoy the fights. Um, and if that's what we're going to do to have everybody included in the promotion or the sport, then let's do it. I just want to see the best of the best, and that's all I really care about. Exactly, yep. Uh, so we'll move on now to another, another thing that, that you wanted to, uh, that you weren't sure about, um, but this was also on Reddit too, but is video games producing better athletes for the future? Uh, what do you think on that? No. No, they, uh, video games do not help the athletes um, play better. That's plain and simple. That's it. Uh, I know behind the article, they said uh, that apparently if you have an athlete or a young athlete playing games, uh, it can help them study the game better, understand plays, can help them make better decisions and quicker reactions. And that when they're actually involved in the game, that they can replicate what was successful for them. And that, you know, it can make them more familiar with the game and the rules and, and, and make them more smart. Um I know I've heard with the NBA and some of the players in the league right now, when they're playing 2K, get some more familiarized with the other team's lineups and maybe some tendencies of what some players would do and gives them a feel for what they could do so they can read the game better. But, uh, I mean, to me, it's still very early, especially with the, the technology we have out now. Um, it's only been around for really like five, six years. So I, I think I understand where it's coming from, but like also at the same time, it's like unless you're actually playing the game and you're practicing every day, I don't know. Yeah, per- personally, I don't think that 
it helps if they want to if if you're telling me a professional athlete that's in the NBA plays 2K to study the other team's lineup to get the, to know them better, then they obviously aren't doing their job. They haven't watched enough game tape, which will tell you, and there's people that work for the team tell you what your matchup and what the other team does best and what they don't do great. So to, to say that video games are, are making them better at their sport, I I do not believe that whatsoever. Does it give them maybe an escape and, and makes it maybe a fun thing to do in, in their off time? Yeah, of course, but I think that's as far as it goes. I don't think it makes them better at their profession. I don't think it makes them make more money in the long run. I think if they put in the work, they hit the weight room, they practice, they watch film, the stuff that's been making um, people legends for years, I mean, they have the blueprint to be successful. They have it. Like, they know what it is, what they have to do. It's it's whether they're willing to put in the work to do it or are, are they going to try something that has never worked before or has never been done before and, and try it that way. I just don't think personally, I don't think it will work. And I don't think a lot of players will, would um, risk taking that risk, taking that risk, I guess. Yeah. Um, the only, the only way that I would disagree with you on this subject, and I, I think we should wrap it up. We're almost at the hour mark uh, for this recording, which is the longest episode I think we've done. Um, but when it comes to, like, maybe not the pro athletes right now, but you have some of the younger kids that are, like, five or six where they're developing those uh, – the fundamentals of the game, so they're putting in the work. But then the video games can, can help them see the play and, you know, from a different perspective. I think that, you know, we could maybe see players better adapting at reading the game and understanding the game and maybe being uh, not more creative, but – um, the, you see more skilled players coming out and, and creating much more better competition. Uh, I know, like, for the NHL, now when we've watched growing up, the players, like, you watch a game from, say, 2001 all the way up until now, the play and the style has completely changed, and, uh, and players keep adapting. Could that be because of video games? I don't really know. I... I could be, might not be, but I think what it what it, what it boils down to is that are are you going to have a kid that's just learning how to play basketball learn from what from watching a two K demo game like where the players aren't actually real like if you have them watching games like actual live games and and recorded games like where the players are doing um, natural human movements and reacting. Um, like a human would, I mean, I think now I could be wrong, but in, like, wouldn't that be the best way to learn? And and it has been the best way to learn. Well, it's not. It's not saying that like you still have to to put in the work the old fashioned way, but because you have now this added advantage of being able to see to to kind of mimic the plays virtually of what the actual pros are doing that can add that much more to your game so you learn it quicker. So that, you know, 
instead of players being like saying starting to, to, to really pick up and develop at the age of say sixteen or seventeen, you know, their their playmaking abilities are developing at the ages of eleven and twelve. Because it gives them that advantage of learning the plays, learning more professional setups, uh, because it's available to them than compared to say like athletes ten years ago where uh, the AI obviously was were at the beginning of video games, but now it's at a completely different level. So I think if you're like if you have an eight or nine year old who's playing, say NBA 2K or NHL, and they see what the players are doing on the screen, learning the plays, learning the setups, um, I think it could help them at least in playmaking abilities, so that you could see maybe more scoring or things like that. But when it comes to to things like speed, um, to to maybe I'll call it clutch where you can calm yourself in the moments of the game. I feel like you need real life experience for that. But I think when it comes to playmaking and making up your mind and quicker reactions, I think video games can actually help that in the future. So we might see more players, um, more intelligent players say in the next 10 years or so. I, I, I don't agree whatsoever, but Hey, we'll agree to disagree. And, uh, Let's uh let, let's wrap it up. It's getting late. Uh, <laughs> I can kind of tell you're already uh you're already done. This is by the way. Well, I got I got a, I, got, I let's just say I I got a an early morning tomorrow. Okay, that's fair. Um, so yeah, we'll finish it up. Um, what do you want to do for the podcast? We didn't. I didn't get a chance to ask you this. Uh, I feel like the video games one is a good one. Let's go with that. Uh, for do you think video games will help produce better players in the future? Or do you think it's still going to be players will still develop the old-fashioned way? Um, you can let us know on Twitter at underscore minor leaguers. Jane, before we get out of here, do you want to plug your socials quick? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jaden G. Jones and on Instagram at underscore Jaden G. Jo- at underscore Jaden G. Jones. And I want to say thank you to all who voted in my um, – in my new bandwagon poll, who, who was I going to follow? And um, it, Canucks had a very uh, overwhelming vote and, um, and the Hawks also got a, a couple of votes. So um, those are my two teams sticking to it. Let's, uh, let's hope one of them takes home the cup. I couldn't figure out why you chose Vancouver. Cause I, I think I voted on it, but it was like one of the other teams. Cause I know you had four up there, but anyway, um, so yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, I do want to follow me. On Twitter and Instagram is at the Red Black. And of course, if you see anything in the episode that you heard about or want to reach out about, again, add an underscore minor leaguers to let us know. And uh, we'll see you sometime in the near future for the next episode of the Minor Leaguers.